This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude, Altitude. Adjustment. Sorry okay. about that. Oh, <laughs> I got, I got oh, so, that gremlin again. I got so no, that was that was Leon's fault. So I appreciate the <laughs> I appreciate the note there. That was Leon's fault. Um, so we we had, um, so, so I'm getting into the flow of things, and and I I have changed things a little bit incrementally, and with each change um, comes a, a learning curve. So. I have changed how the chat works. I have changed how the, as you can see, the background's different. I've changed, um, you know, how, how the, the guests appear, how the, the uh, uh, co-hosts appear. And so then that old thing of making sure that I turn on and off the microphones <laughs> has come back to bite me. I appreciate the help there. Um, and, and I'm, I'm going to put a, Posted note on the middle on the front of my podcast to check the microphones. There it you go. Is there you go. April the twenty fourth, two o four p.m. and we're restarting, kind of restarting the podcast. So I know you've started talking about uh, strange fruit. So I'm going to ask you to go back yeah. to the beginning yeah. because they didn't hear any of it. Sure, absolutely. Um, in the fifties, the famous. Uh, jazz singer blues they, uh, they some called her blues some call her jazz she was basically more of a jazz singer she um sang this song strange fruit this this song was notorious because it was tearing the country apart uh because it shed the light on the horrors of black people in this country lynching people hanging black people hanging from trees so this jewish guy i wish i had taken time to take the notes uh because it was on cbs this morning if anybody can go back and catch that article it uh, it aired early this morning strange fruit great article gives a lot of details on it but anyway they were so intent on silencing her from singing this song that the cops would and when i say that this was all the way up from the FBI down. This this FBI um, chief at the time, he just had it out for her. So she would go on stage and you could look around and the cops were just waiting. And, and, and it, it's funny that the white people really wanted to hear the song. They were asking for the song. And, you know, some people wanted her to sing it. Some people didn't. But as soon as she started singing that song, they would rush on the stage and grab her and drag her off. Please. So I freedom of speech didn't apply to some people back then. You know, mm -hmm. it really didn't. You know, we talk about all our rights and our freedoms, but people tend to forget how uh, discriminatory uh, it can be. This country can be when it comes to certain rights, civil rights and liberties. But check out the movie, the U.S. versus Billie Holiday. It is it. It'll tell you a lot. And if you can catch that article from CBS, it's very informative. A lot of information. Very good. I I have not seen the Billie Holiday story, of course. Um, well, I can say of course, but uh, I will definitely try to check that out uh, yeah. along with all the other things I'm trying to get to. 
so we when you we'll start on freedom of speech and in the in the course of our country's history there has been and we've talked about it and and we're facing that now the the laws were designed so freedom of speech meant freedom of white speech so, so let's just mm-hmm. understand that absolutely um, freedom of assembly freedom of protest meant freedom of white assembly freedom of white protest and yeah. and in in the course of trying to change all of that um you know there have been atrocities committed and there are still being atrocities committed and we're still trying to um make that those promises applicable to every american citizen where regardless of where they came from regardless of what they look like uh regardless if they've committed a crime and now have paid that crime and are trying to get back into society so understanding the past i think is important because it helps us uh make sure that we don't go back to those practices and that we know where we it's a, it's a place where we start so that we know we are making progress so if uh if more people can speak out um then we know we're making progress we know we're not making full progress because there are still people that can't speak out or or punished for doing that um yeah. i i'm don't feel comfortable to to get in um i think we're at a, a really strange time um, we are so we are so what's going on in our political sphere um and and in our um media is is a, a really interesting occurrence and I, I would like to use the word interesting because and and I I I use uh, the, Tucker Carlson as an example because he's a, a glaring example and he's easy to identify one of many right and and, and it's he's one of many he's one of many and and I'm going to I want to come back to this to that but Tucker Carlson has been uh, certified in a court of law as a liar. Um, the news agency that hires him, a news company, um, understands that, and yet they keep him on the air. He, and I've heard him since the court case where he's been deemed a liar, say, we bring you the news. Okay. The news. We bring you the news. He said that on his program. Mm -hmm. In the court, they argued he's an opinion host. Right. And not a news host. And yet he says he's a news host. So we're having this, we're having this fight in our society. We're having this uh, conflict in our society where we're trying to identify truth, where we're trying to um, strive to move forward and building a better society. 
And yet, so many of the big players in our society are doing everything they can to keep us from moving forward. I understand change is scary. It can be. But if you know what you've been doing is harmful, how do you how do you hang on to that? How do you feel comfortable hanging on to what you know not only causes pain and suffering but causes death? Well, if if you're not the beneficiary of the pain or the death, then it's really not that relevant to you. You know, you can easily overlook it if you don't have empathy or compassion for your fellow man. And apparently that's where we are in this country. Uh, people just overlook things like um, like a man laying on the ground with a knee on his neck for nine minutes. You know, first thing they want to say is, well, he was on drugs. He was this. He was that. The uh, fact that I can't breathe is irrelevant, you know. We know that when you can't breathe, you soon die. Yet um, they can ignore that and say it's okay because of whatever technicality. Well, he was trained to do that. You know, that there's just a lack of uh, empathy and compassion in this country now, and people are just showing their true colors. That's all it is. You know, it is what it is. Uh, we, if we look back to history, you know, this is nothing new. And we just have to reckon with who we really are in this country. I got you. So to, in the reckoning of that. So so. I'm taking what you're saying is that we're at a place in society where we just have to understand. That there are people who who don't give a rat's ass about other people's lives as long as their mm -hmm. life is comfortable. Yeah. And, and I'm saying comfortable beyond measure because it's, it's not like, so there are a lot of pe people, white people who say that I don't get white privilege. I, I'm not the beneficiary of white privilege. I work every day. Exactly. But they work, they work at a higher rate than other people work. So their suffering is not on the level of other people's suffering because they have mm -hmm. a job. And, and they surmise that, well, the reason I got that job was because I'm more talented. Mm -hmm. When it's shown that they're not more talented, it's, it's, it's easily recognizable that, that there are other people with comparable talents than you, or comparable talents to you, that, that don't have the jobs. So you I may not get the opportunity. I, I understand. So I, I don't. And we'll and we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. So uh, Bix BG talked about uh, Afghanistan, which kind of is a change of subject. But uh, we will put that in the hopper and get back to that. So, so the, so so how do you, how do you go into a negotiation? Cause we're, we're trying to negotiate a better society. 
How do we go into yeah. a negotiation realizing that there are people who are not going to negotiate in good faith? And, and this is one of Leonard's big issues, is that they're not going to negotiate in good faith. So how then do you deal with those people? And I'm always pushing back at him. You know, if you don't, you can't be the monster to defeat the monster. Because replacing one monster with another monster means you still have a monster. So so the, the difficulty is, is how do we move forward when people don't want to move forward? We have a large contingency of the society that does not want to move forward and, and can see that they're le- losing ground such as um, more hurricanes, more fires in California, more tornadoes in the Midwest, more natural disasters that we are getting impacted with, and yet we want to snuff out talent that could possibly find solutions to that because they're not white, because they're not... um, acceptable you know as as leaders in our society and so as we constantly lose ground they want to fight for the status quo Mm -hmm. because they don't recognize they're losing yeah i guess though you have to ask the question what is winning and what is losing in the long run in the scheme of things where do we see ourselves going in this country? And what, I'm, what I mean by that is, what are the goals and objectives? Another question I, I really often think about, and I, I really, it's late in life for me to take it, you know, up on it, any action upon it, but here's the thing. Is this the absolute best place in the world to be at this time. In other words, we have all these freedoms and if nothing else, we have the freedom to move. We have the freedom to go wherever we choose, where we're allowed to go. Now, am I advocating people to leave or to go? No, I'm saying do you. But if a place gets to the point where you feel you don't have a voice, you have no control, and it's becoming extremely hostile, violence, life-threatening, lack of opportunity. What are your options? I think we need to think about that. You know, sure, uh, we can make improvements. This can be a better place, but what's it going to take? That's the question. What's it going to take? And, and is staying here the absolute best option? You have, you have. So of course I've, I've run that, those ideas through my head. Um, uh, and so, so here's what, here's what we see. We have a border crisis currently because of the exact same thing that you were just saying. That, mm-hmm. that's happening in other parts of the of the world that are close to us 
Yeah. Because some people have made it miserably impossible for their, you know, families and friends to live mm -hmm. in their communities. These people have to pick up and move. Yeah. And so they create border. So, so let's just say, um, our situation here becomes so untenable that the 12% of black Americans and the 18% of uh, Latinx um, Americans decide, you know, we just can't take this anymore. Where do we go? Where do we go? We can't go to Europe because <laughs> that's part of where the problem starts. Um, while we are, of African heritage, we know as much about Africa as our books tell us. Now, there's some people who have traveled to Africa great, but I mean, Lots generally, generally, yeah. I, as, as, a, as a group of people, I don't think a large majority of African Americans have been to Africa, lived in Africa, understand all of the cult, customs and culture of Africa because they mm -hmm. are slightly different or maybe sure. um, harshly different than what we're accustomed to. And why do you think that is? Well, I, so I, the difference in culture, it's a different no, part. Why, of, do you, why is it that not that many of us have actually gone or at least to visit, check it out, just see what's there? Well, most of us haven't had the money. Right, black, exactly. Black growth. I, I will agree to that. And I would say when I was younger, when I had when I was had the freedom to, that was the, the big objective, a big problem. Right now, it's it's not the money. It's my position in life, it's other situations, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not a single man, so you know, I have all those issues to deal with. Mm -hmm. But there are let's let's look at the upcoming generations, uh, you've got young people coming up, they have a different mindset. They see, they see the world uh, on a global, through a global lens now. They don't just feel like the borders are, are uh, locking them down. You know, they have opportunity. And I think that um, there's gonna be, there's gonna be probably some migration I think people are going to say, "Hey, you know, I'm let's check this out." But back to the US, I think the problem here is not going to get better because um <clears throat> as as you say these people migrating are a big part of the problem and so that's just going to like make add fuel to the fire at the end of the day. Uh the country's going to have to deal with the immigrants, the uh, Latinx people, um, people that are not white. So where, where are we headed? I mean, <clears throat> black people are in a whole different category too, because, you know, like here in St. Louis, I don't know, I can't speak for all over, but we're so segregated here, we're just isolated in our own little communities. So how's that gonna affect us, you know? Are, are we going to be seen uh, as below them? 
like it seems that we are now. So we got some, we got some long-term thinking to do um, as a community. How do we rise up in, in light of all these other minorities coming into a country? You know, we're competing at the very bottom right now. So something's got to change. What are our, what are our options? So, so one, one of the options that you were, that you mentioned was moving and, and I don't know if that's a, a, a real option. Um, it is, it is, it is a, I don't I guess it is an option cause you can do it. Um, you're yeah. looking at it as, as a, as a, an absolute option, but mm-hmm. realistically, if we move to another community, um, just as it has been seen in other communities, when migration starts, then the um, uh, nativism, the, mm-hmm. uh, oh, think of the term, uh, that's when the prejudice starts to rise up because now sure. you're becoming, as a, as a smaller part of the group, you're becoming a larger part of the group. So now the indigenous feel threatened. So, mm-hmm. so even if we move, there is a good chance we wind up back in the exact same situation because wherever we move, then their nativism starts. So sure. That's always possible. So if we, if, if we then look at our options, you know, look, start looking at our options, we have a situation where um, large swaths of the country are not going to change. They're not going to respect us. They're not going to respect other you know, minorities. They're not going to respect other marginalized people. It is just, it is just not going to happen. So, so what, what is the, uh, move forward and, and, I, and, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a, you're not a runner from a fight. I'm not a runner from a fight. I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring a knife to a gunfight, but I'm also, you know, Mm -hmm. not going to um, just walk away because you told me uh, no, you know, you got to give me something more than just saying no. And, and and we've reached that point where the resistance is just saying no. And they are fighting Absolutely. against reasonable growth. Yeah, they are. And what do you do? I mean, from a political viewpoint, um, the battle just gets more and more ridiculous. You know, the, the closer um, the minorities get to uh, achieving small uh, victories, advancing in this country, the more oppression and suppression and discrimination, you know, rises. So, and, and like I said, us being minorities, uh, politics is, is really going to be very difficult without a united front. And although you can look at the two parties and make a choice. 
you're still going to be a minority and there's still going to be a lot of um a lot to be desired as far as um gains and for us what you feel is equ equitable to you so the next few generations there's gonna have to be some changes i think this two-party system is is really uh crumbling it's falling apart we talked we've had discussions about that as well so you know if if you're in a minority within a minority party what does that look like well, yeah, just you agree a minority. <laughs> there, there are while there are while there are reasons to be op pessimistic. There are reasons to be optimistic. Um, people like uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Uh, mm -hmm. This gentleman just this person. I don't know if it's a gentleman, but this person just mentioned Joe Biden, and Joe Biden has surprised me in the things that he's done in his first hundred days. It seems that Joe Biden is, is willing to take the fight. He's willing to take up the fight. So, so the, the war hawks don't want us out of Afghanistan. Biden says, we're done with that. The country wants the end of wars. Biden seems to be doing something about that. Biden yeah. seems to be doing something about um, um, trying to do something about uh, the minimum wage, which affects minorities. He's trying mm -hmm. to do something about. So so you may fault his effectiveness, but you mostly certainly can't fault his attempt at making changes. Well, he's definitely trying to make some changes. Um I haven't really, really researched this whole Afghanistan situation. Mm -hmm. Historically, it's always been fear of what happens when we pull out. Mm -hmm. You know, the Taliban's going to take over. Then we're going to have Al Qaeda and all these other terrorists rising up mm -hmm. and, and threatening us and attacking us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's some probable, probable, um, abilities of some some things happening but the question is how much of a um how much of a armed force do we want to be around the world and, and is that really effective for uh, the country if we're trying to get along in this world how can we negotiate or coexist with some of these groups without war is that possible have we tried are just are, are our goals just too different you know these are the things we got to ask because eventually if we don't come together and and sit down at the table i think the nukes are going to take over and we can try and we can keep on keep on doing what we do but eventually other people are going to have them i don't i don't know if i i i am I don't know if I agree with the idea that nukes are going to be the, the major issue moving forward. I think um, most of the big players understand um, nuclear conflicts and they're, while they may not, they're not escalating the, the nuclear arms race, 
Um, so you're talking about the smaller players getting nuclear weapons. Um, mm -hmm. How much power do you think um, a small country getting a nuclear weapon is going to be? Now, if that if that country is a satellite country of or a um, uh, ally of one of the bigger powers, then it changes the nuclear balance. If it's mm -hmm. if it's not a big enough player and they're not connected to somebody else, they don't change the nuclear balance. So so getting a nuclear weapon and and I think that that's part of a campaign to um, get people to be afraid is. Yeah, it the, is. The proliferation of nuclear weapons is going to destroy the earth and it, it quite possibly will. But but we want to take um, a more measured approach to how we address nuclear weapons. If we if we instantly, you know, get on our bicycles and we're trying to run away from the the, the discussion, then, you know, we're acting out of fear. Um, so at this point. I am not as concerned with um, smaller countries getting nuclear weapons as I am the determination of the big players to limit the proliferation of nuclear weapons and getting and getting a drawdown on nuclear weapons. Um, is it possible that we can live together with, you know, you stay in Russia, I'll stay in the United States. Um, we know that that's not 100% achievable. Nope. It's, it, it then becomes what is a realistic goal for us, for both countries to survive on this planet. I don't have to like you. You don't have to like me, but you know, is there a way that we can coexist without always stepping on each other's toes? Well, we're talking about the big players, but what about the little players, the ones that are um, always being dominated or invaded or fought over? Uh, I think they're going to be the catalysts as far as um, which directions um, the U.S., Russia, China go, because when they get when they rise up and, and want to claim uh, power or territory, then they're automatically uh, at war with U.S. or whoever. And these conflicts are, are never-ending. Um, this Afghanistan thing, they have their own conflict going on over there, and we're in the middle of it to protect who? Are we protecting our own interest or are we allegedly protecting the people over there in their own country? Um, I don't know. So we say it's terrorism that we're fighting, but you know, to what extent do we fight the terrorism? How far will we go? So American foreign policy has always been steeped in some mystery. And um, <laughs> there's always been the belief that it has been an economic policy rather than just a military policy. Right. Um, and so, as an as an as a country as a nation, 
the safety of its citizenship is foremost in its military's responsibility. Does that mean that the, that you have to go? So, so you can't produce all of the, the resources that you need, all of the natural resources that you need to survive. So there's mm-hmm. the negotiation process with, you know, how do we trade goods? How do we, uh, you know, work with hostile countries that have um, raw materials that we need that, that, yeah. that, you know, that they have and how do we, so, so America has capitalism and they wanted to trade with, with other countries that don't fully implement capitalism. So, so the, the, the pressure then has been placed on who to try to, to even that out so that we can get the natural resources that we need or have the markets that we need to sell our goods that we produce to mm-hmm. to trade our natural resources to trade our products and and goods and services so so there's a there's a there's a diplomatic uh communications going on there's uh, military communications going on and there's economic communications going on sure in the united states in some other countries all three of those factions are under or are under the control or in majorly influenced by one one entity. So the military, the the politics, and the economics are all controlled under one umbrella. In the United States, hypothetically. (laughs) Hypothetically. Hypothetically. (laughs) The military and politics function together and economics is a entity in and of itself. Now, how do you then get all three of those players playing together so that we deal with other entities in a consistent and helpful way moving forward? So, if if the if politics the politicians and the military say you know we have a, an agreement we uh, expect you to be, to perform this particular way this is this is the way we we can maintain a relationship we can't have you you know taking any resources that we provide you and blowing up the country next to you but the econ- the uh, economic faction in our country are out for money. They they'll trade they'll trade whatever resources that they can get to to make their bottom line better. Regardless of if you're going to blow up your neighbor or not. <laughs> so the idea here is, 
Um, how do we get that faction to function with the other two here in the United States to ensure that we're consistent in how we apply what is good for the United States and what is good for the world at large. Am I making sense? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think uh, it really gets complicated when you start juggling the government, uh, economics, politics, military, and what roles each one plays. Because each country kind of functions differently. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, uh, sometimes I just don't understand how we're functioning because it seems like um, economics rules certain scenarios. And then the next thing you know, the military gets involved. And if we have political conflicts, then that affects the economic side. So it's, it's, it's really complicated. For example, when you compare it to say China, China's straightforward one way, you know, whatever uh, own says goes, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. That's that's the law, you know. You you, you want something done, you got to go through him, plain and simple, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. Yeah, and so and that's what I'm saying is that you know, in 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 that society there's there's more of an opportunity for them to provide a consistent message on mm-hmm. the three key ways that countries interact with each other. Yep. In the United right. States, because we've had, we've sanctioned companies, we've fined companies for violating sanctions that the United States mm-hmm. placed on a country in order to get them to act f- fairer in the global, and these countries go around that. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen in China, but uh, in Russia, I'm not saying it doesn't happen there. I'm saying um, from from my viewpoint, from the things that I understand, is that they have um, can can execute greater force in trying to control the message or the, the, uh, their attempts at uh, working with other countries. So whereas, you know, our, our politics can pass laws and, you know, say that, you know, we want to do this in working with another country and the military is going to support that, but, but then they, they'll pass laws uh, to get companies to stay on message, so to speak, with mm-hmm. that. And then those companies violate that. <laughs> well, yeah, this is America where um, things like that happen pretty frequently, uh, where they wouldn't happen in China. You know, uh, they have ways of dealing with that. Just like um, Biden said to uh, Putin, uh, you're a murderer. You know, they have a whole different way of controlling things over there. And um, I think um, 
we can't just say Putin is the only one killing folks. They just don't have much shame about it. You know, we do a better job of hiding things that happen over here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say on that one, I don't have any proof. So I'm going to say that for me, um, Warren's view is Warren's view, and I'm not trying to knock that view. This is I didn't not an attempt names. to distance I myself <laughs> from that view. It is only my attempt to let you know that Warren's view is Warren's view. Um, sure. I don't have any proof that uh, that 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 Putin killed anybody. I don't have any proof that the United States have done nefarious things for individuals. I do have belief. And there has been several, a lot of evidence that the United States has engaged in um, uh, toppling governments in, or, or putting undue pressure on governments to get the things that they want. And so we know that, and we try to deal with that. And, and, and so you're saying there's proof of that, right? So I'm saying there's, what you were talking about is it's killing folks to, um, uh, bring about the result that you want and no i'm i know i'm just talking about what you were saying about um we know that there's influence peddling going on okay I, i'll grant you that yeah. so if 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 that, if that if you're arguing influence peddling i'm 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 signing on sure 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 and i'll sign uh, up to the influence peddling part any... i'm just i'm just cautious about not having enough proof that mm-hmm. that that the all that all of those drone strikes uh were meant to silence opposition is that fair you say there's no proof that they were meant to I'm silence op- i don't opposition? i don't i don't have enough oh, i'm not okay. saying it didn't okay. happen i'm just saying okay. it's, it's so one of the things about uh about certain theories is that sometimes that you have um, direct evidence and sometimes you have circumstantial evidence and, and I get it. And sometimes we want to, we want to grab circumstantial evidence and make it empirical evidence. And Mm -hmm. what I try to do is not grab circumstantial evidence and make it empirical evidence, but, but keep in mind that, 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 it can contain enough information in circumstantial evidence for you to make an educated decision. And in any case, so, so I understand that. I just want to try to avoid in my case, um, taking information and drawing inferences from it that aren't always supported by the evidence. Sure. Sure. I, I get you. I, 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 I understand you being a very uh, scrupulous guy and you want to walk the line and, and not make false claims or accusations. That's That's it. I get that. And so, yeah, it's like we can say, well, John Doe said so-and-so and then he did this and now John Doe's dead. So go figure, you know, shit happens. <laughs> I, and and no, I understand. I fully no understand proof. that. I fully understand. It. He just ended up dead. I fully understand it, but but I'm not going to say who killed him because I I need more information. 
Just the fact right, that right. just the fact that he had government secrets doesn't necessarily say I could say the government killed him because he had government yeah. secrets. Uh, although I may yeah. I may believe it, I just don't have enough uh, proof to make the accusation. And some people's uh, bar for proof is a lot lower than mine. And sure, I, I sure, get that. sure. So if your bar of proof is lower than mine, um, <laughs> go with that. Um, and 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 so when we meet, I will ask you for a higher bar of proof before I, I sign on to that. Um, gotcha, gotcha. So before we get out of here, I want to, I I did want to uh, get your take on the Chauvin verdict. My take? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, most people with any sense of humanity and common sense would agree with it. However, you know, there's freedom of thought, freedom of speech. People see what they want to see. And um, a lot of people think that yeah, Chauvin had to be the sacrificial lamb. You know, somebody's got to go down. You know, we, this was so blatant. Uh, we we want to get him off, but we, we, we just got to we got to put him down, you know, I don't know. Um, it, it, they're still talking about possibility of an appeal or whatever, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just a little surprised that one of those jurors didn't have an issue or didn't say, Hey, you know what? Uh, it was the drugs. It was a yada, yada, yada. I, I was really kind of thinking one of them was going to go there <laughs> But, you know, I'd hate I'd hate to be that person to um, cast that vote not guilty and then the whole world find out who they were. <laughs> the rest of their life wouldn't be pretty. So so um, I that I see that the Chauvin verdict as one of the marks in the column of things or that there are things that are to be optimistic about change. Um, it's going to take obviously more than one conviction because um, on the, on the heels of the conviction, I mean, right on the heels of the conviction, uh, there's a situation where an officer had to, or an officer discharged his weapon uh, mm -hmm. because one woman was attempting to, to, to stab another woman. Sure. Um, some people. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna back up from that. So I saw the Chauvin verdict as one of those things that means that we we could possibly be moving in a, a better direction, and we can hopefully start to look for better outcomes. Um, one of the things that when, and I and I don't try to be pessimistic. I try to be what I think is realistic in that we've been here before. No, mm -hmm. we may not have had a police officer convicted before, but we've had promises made. We've had, uh, we had the signing of uh, the Civil Rights Act. We've had the signing of the Voting Rights Act. And we have currently going on in many state legislatures an attempt to roll back those accomplishments. 
So it, it makes me feel like two steps forward, one step back, that the progress, again, is, is coming slow and painful. Um, and so, so that's, so again, I, th I think, you know, it was, it was handled in the court of law. I, I, as far as my opinion goes, I, I don't always, I don't share my opinion as far as whether I thought he was innocent or guilty. He was, mm -hmm. he was found guilty in a court of law. Sure. And if you are a person that believes in our democracy and believes that the cornerstone of our democracy is our legal justice system. While it has had some sketchy marks in its past, we always hope that those are ironed out, that we, mm -hmm. that we get on a more, uh, a better trajectory that, um, so, you know, so that, so that we, that the system becomes more fairer and that uh, it's consistent in its applications of law. Uh, so, so as I said, he was, he was found guilty in a court of law. Yeah, he was, he was. How, what would your reaction have been if the uh, outcome was otherwise? Um, so, and that's, that's a, So, so looking at the things that I saw, um, I, I, I had a, a thought in my mind, but I have never said anything about it because it still had not been adjudicated. Mm -hmm. My opinion about a video and, and I, I like to caution people, you know, watching the video um, doesn't, isn't the whole case. So sure. getting, you know, convicting the officer before the case was, was heard, I, I caution people against that. And I did, I tried not to do that. Now that it has been adjudicated, now that it had the conviction has come, I, comfortable with saying that he was convicted fairly mm -hmm. if the, the the situation had gone the other way I would have tried to look for because a lot of times what they do is they break down uh, the case after mm -hmm. the after the the verdict comes in they break down the evidence what could the lawyers what did the lawyers miss in presenting mm -hmm. their case what did the lawyers get right? Um, how could they have done it differently? What was the expectation from the jurors? Looking at that information is where I want to uh, start to determining if that was a fair trial or not. And not based on just simply, did I want Chauvin to get convicted? As a, as a, as a black person in the country, I wanted fairness. Mm -hmm. If Chauvin, such as this guy who, who uh, killed this young lady, I don't want to pr judge that 
until the case has been heard, all the evidence has been presented. I don't want to, to decide the case based on news articles, not based on video clips, not based on someone's interpretation of. So, so if Chauvin had been deemed not guilty, um, how do you determine whether that was fair or not? You've seen the trial, you know, with what, what's going to, you know, make that determination from your point of view. Right. It, it's the, it's the, it's the analysis after the trial. It's the, right. uh, can another lawyer present to me evidence or present to me a, a theory of, uh, the, the in-trial lawyer's behavior that says that they didn't prosecute this case properly or that they didn't. So, so lawyers and learned people break down these cases. They, they give you information about what lawyers could have done or should have done. I would look at that before, deter before determining my, so there's an emotional response that comes. Yeah. But I have to temper that emotional response with rational thinking. Okay. So, so, so you're saying you would have waited for further analysis to come to a judgment on, on exactly you know. because, okay. because if I don't, then I'm using emotion to make the, the case, to, to make my decisions. And right. one of the things that I think is difficult is to make a emotional decision that's right. Okay. So I would have waited. Um, there is an emotional aspect to it. There's an emotional side of me that would have wanted to respond, but I would have wanted, but I, I know I need to um, look at a better breakdown of it. And I, and mm -hmm. I appreciate those people that spend that time uh, analyzing and breaking down the case afterwards. Um, yeah. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but the, the thing is, is that, you know, you can put a, so, so I did a, a podcast a, a while back and lawyers know how to emotionally get a verdict, how to emotionally impact jurors' decisions. Mm -hmm. And so, And so sometimes the truth gets lost because they're playing the emotional game of getting people. I, I can put a crying witness on the, on the stand and that sways the jury. Mm -hmm. The crying witness, um, we should strive to, to look past the emotion to make sure we're getting the facts and not, right. and not, and not take Chauvin's livelihood, his family's livelihood, 
I think he's a married man with kids that's going to be impacted. But if he's done something that that really warrants it and not just that I want an emotional victory, that I want it because he was such a highly visible person who did what he did. I don't want the, I don't want the emotional victory. I mm. want, I want the legal victory because that stands up the test of time. The emotional victory will fade. Sure. sure. Because people okay. will emotionally eventually not care. It's a thing in the past. But the legal precedent, the legal victory, it was proved in court. I can stand on that all day. How critical is the sentence to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. They're already predicting that the judge probably won't go too high in terms of years, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so let's let's do that. Let's wait and see. <laughs> Um, you know, so that's, that's another sentencing in, in trial. So that's another thing that, that had bothers me because, you know, we had the whole issue with, uh, crack cocaine versus, uh, powder Powder. cocaine (laughs) and the different sentences. And, and so civilian. (laughs) And so, and so that's, that's where the legal system needs polishing. Sure. You know, so so that we don't have those kinds of things happen so that the so that people trust the legal system. Like the question that you asked about sentencing is predicated on the idea that in the past, the legal system hasn't always worked as it should. It has given preferential mm-hmm. treatment to some over others. Yes. And so. Oh, yeah. And so the goal then is to get eliminate that preferential treatment so that everyone is treated fairly. And I get it. So we shall see. Yes. Um, anything else that you wanted to add? No, no. Uh, I would like to continue the conversation in another episode about on that, uh, us versus Billy holiday though. Okay. Well, you, um, you brought that t- up at the last minute. And so we yeah, I know, I went know. into the podcast. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, I, so there, there are, there are things when we have conversations. So like this, when we have a conversation and, and I read, um, a, a lot. So, yeah. so I'm always, you know, reading something newsworthy or something. And a lot of times, um, so, so when we, uh, have a have a topic for the for the show. I do all the background and I have it all there. So mm-hmm. so the conversation that we started having about Billy Holiday, I have I if we had made that show a to- uh, that a, a show topic, then I'd have all that information. So I could go back and I could talk about. So we I talked about uh, influence peddling of the government and the government um, toppling regimes. Um, all of that information's in my head. I know it's there, but mm-hmm. because I didn't write down what I wanted to specifically talk about, then 
you know, I'm, I have to generalize because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to make a statement that I can't support. I can't back up. So a lot of sure. times you read that Absolutely. information, you, you know it exists, but I can't bring up that information right here and now because I, don't, I didn't mark it down and put it in front of me. And so a lot of times I don't want to, you know, make statements that I can't back up and support. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, take a minute and dig into it and uh, have a great conversation on it next time. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm, I, you know, uh, so the goal of you know doing everything that we do is to build a better society. To to you know to to give us options to find options. You know you you. You brought up a good question. What what do we do? What you know, Leonard, you know, he's he's frustrated. You know, we want change. A lot of people are. Right. We you know I'm I'm sixty three years old. You know, I'm I've I've been through all of this and and you know, and having to go through this, um, you know, the the they're trying to take away people's civil rights and they're trying to, you know, keep people from voting. Um, you know, at some point you just like, stop, just friggin' stop, you know? <laughs> yeah. A, a, a podcaster that I listen to, uh, a lot, I won't mention their name, but they brought it up, uh, after one of the episodes a while back. And, uh, that really kind of made me think, you know, I think at that point she was experiencing, um, a, a change. You know, she was seeing things just a little bit differently, you know, and uh, yeah, it was, you know, I think a lot of people are looking at the, the idea that, you know, we were born here, most of us, but do we have to live the rest of our lives here? Are we duty bound to stay here or are we f free to do other things? Just like the uh, rights you get when you're born here, you're, you, we have freedom. You know, we're not trying to uh, storm the Capitol, take over the government or, you know, uh, form militias. But there are a couple of militias when you think about that. Militias, uh, sure. we've, we've discussed that, too. Uh, well, we haven't discussion... discussed it. We've, you and I have discussed it off camera. We've never discussed yeah. it on camera. Yeah, we haven't discussed it here, mm -hmm. but uh, it's in the news. You know, mm -hmm. uh, people know there, that there are a couple of black militias. And I think um, as big as the gun discussion is, I just think that uh, they ain't going nowhere right now. You know, you can make all the noise you want to, but there's so many guns already in existence. Um, what are you going to do? How long will it be before they're all gone, broken down and whatever? Uh, if you just ban them right now, you know, there's so many guns out there. Well, there's... <laughs> you know, people... There's the, the 3D printers mm -hmm. where you can print a gun. So if if right. <laughs> if we shut exactly. down manufacturing of guns or we shut down the selling of guns domestically, then, you know, there are people who make their own bullets. So. Yep. yep. So we have, they ain't going anywhere. Right. So we, we have, you know, we, we have we have to address a lot of issues 
mm-hmm. uh, surrounding guns uh, and surrounding gun use in our society. And, and, you know, in many ways, we're still the wild, wild west. You know, <laughs> as, as, as much as we believe we become sophisticated and educated, we're, we're still the wild, wild west. We're still, sure. you know, doing things, you know, open carry and, you know, I don't know. I'm, and, and I'm asking this question seriously. What happened positive with open carry? I can't answer that personally, but I'm pretty sure some big pro-gun people will be able to tell you a few stories. Well, you know, if Joe hadn't had his gun, so-and-so would have been dead, and he he was there just in time to save some lives, and there's just probably a few stories out there. Sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you the last comment. Um and I think next week, yes, next week we have, I can't even pronounce his name, <laughs> his, his last name, but uh, it's, uh, he's, he runs Givers University. You can look that up. Uh, I, have, okay. I have been uh, working on the background, trying to clean the show up, make it look a lot better. Um, and to make sure that, uh, you know, that we are addressing interesting topics. Uh, I really appreciate the guests that we've had in the last month or two. They've uh, been awesome. It's been providing great information. I hope everybody is enjoying the show. Make sure that if you are enjoying the show, that you tell people about it, you share it. Um, make sure you leave us comments. Um, let us know what you think, how we can make it better, how we can make it work for you. And I understand um, most people are, you know, you're going to pick it up, listen to it and keep rolling. Um, but at least once, take the opportunity to, to drop us a note. I really appreciate it. It lets us know that, that you're out there and it, it gives us an opportunity to revel in the fact that you, you think we're worth your time. With that being said, we'll be back uh, next Friday. Everybody have a great and safe weekend. We'll see you then. Episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please, like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment, because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy, because they may not be looking out for you.